If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Women Physicians Lead, hosted by Dr. Lisa Herbert, helps women physicians move from surviving to thriving in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Lisa shares leadership tips, burnout support, stress management strategies, and inspiration from women physicians who've made remarkable transitions into leadership roles. There's a fantastic episode that you should check out called Taking Care of Yourself During the Journey, about how women physicians can care for themselves while on their leadership journeys. Check out Women Physicians Lead on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Iowa to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 135 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Iowa to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and support. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. And if you love the conversations and insight you get here on the podcast, consider becoming a health amplifier. You can support the show and all the time, thought, and effort it takes to bring you these conversations for as little as the price of a cup of coffee by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health. Your support is not only a huge pat on the back to me, but it also gets this content out to people seeking support and inspiration. So Jeff Crippen and I had such a great time talking earlier in the year and got so much good feedback from you all that we knew we wanted to do another one together and we're just looking for an excuse. So when we started hearing about the uptick in RSV and COVID cases, we thought it was time to provide more resource using what we've learned from the past three years and help design a game plan. Jeff's recent book, Timeless Youth, uh, is basically a guide to building a foundation of health through diet, lifestyle, daily rituals, supplementation, and, and, and the like. And we got a bit deeper here into the why in this episode, as well as simple first steps and ways to get more organized. We also included some of this in the show notes, uh, which you can find below the player and the episode description on the app you're listening on. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Jeff Crippen. I think what people are looking for these days is kind of simple methods of, of taking care of themselves. And also, you know, there's, there can be a supplement part of, of what that is. But I also think that it's a lot of it, which you and I probably end up doing a lot of dialoguing with, with our patients is, is care practices, really thinking about how different things might be, might be stressors to your system or whatever, which, you know, when, when coming from a, a health challenge as, as you and I both did, we, we now are much more acutely aware of all these kinds of things. But, we, you know, it, it's also when we're seeing patterns over and over again in our practice, we can't help but, but inform people like this could be a factor, you know, and so what, what I I, what you reached out to me about for today was thinking about it in, in terms of we're coming into cold season and, and we, we know there's going to be a number of viruses. We know there's some new COVID stuff popping up again. My mom just actually had it at the beginning of August and it, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. It was, you know, it was a couple weeks of recovery. 
and uh, mostly sore throat and headache and you know body aches and stuff but but i think you know it just goes to show like we're still going to be susceptible to a lot of these things so what can we do and i know this is like your day-to-day and kind of bread and butter of your practice yeah and just kind of looking at it just as we were just talking looking at it from that holistic perspective right i know last time we were here we talked about one of the things that was clear even from early COVID was the healthier someone was going in, the healthier they were going out. So you and I might not necessarily eat a healthy fat or a vegetable um, to prevent COVID or exercise or practice gratitude. But what we realized even early on in March of 2020, April 2020 is things like high blood pressure, cancer, diabetes, all appreciably led to worse outcomes through COVID. Right. And so what can we, what can we learn about that? Well, I think it's just this real simple, big picture. You can't be sick and healthy at the same time. Right. I mean, it seems pretty basic, but also <laughs> I I think know, it's pretty true. true. Yeah. So every step we take towards being healthier by definition, we're becoming less sick. And I think, and, and we can get into that more today, but I think that's a real big takeaway we can have is, is through this is we can focus on treating a disease or preventing a disease, or we can focus on creating health. Yeah. And if we do that, um, you know, we can have a really positive impact that's with side benefits into all other areas of our life yeah. rather than specifically on, you know, trying to, trying to fight a disease. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, it's one of the things I go back to a lot of times when I think about my, my own care practices is the fact that I had a, I was a musician in my twenties or trying to do a little bit with that and working all sorts of odd jobs, but didn't have like a real solid job that gave me health benefits. So I I was either on some sort of very minimal state care or had no health care for, for part of the time. And, you know, I, it, it, especially when my back stuff started to, to flare up, like it freaked me out. Yeah. But at the same time, what it did each time that I had a flare up was, was just think more and more about like, what are the factors that might be leading my, my system to not be, you know, operating well? Is it, do, do I have a sleep issue? Do I have, what's my diet looking like right now? How am I managing stress? And, you know, those are the things that long-term lead to some of these other chronic diseases. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people just don't have a, a good sense of like, what is that foundation? Or they might have a sense of it, but they don't know how to put it into a practice, basically. Yeah, I think because, yes, I agree. And, and because the medical system that I'm going to say we're all used to, maybe some people aren't, but that's going to be a small majority that we're all used to. It's very much disease centric and disease focused. Yeah. High blood pressure. Great. Here's a drug to lower your blood pressure. Yeah. Right. It's the word is allopathic and it's basically a treat and allopathy is basically a treatment that contra that, that goes against the disease. Right. So if you have pain in your head, they give you a pain reliever. Right. You have high blood pressure, they give you something to lower your blood pressure. Your yeah. blood sugar is high, they give you something to lower it, right? That's allopathic or against the disease, but that that idea to look at the question that's not asked through that is why is the blood pressure high? Why is the blood sugar high? Why is there a pain in your head? And the questions that's not even asked even one step before that is, you know, what's going on in the body for it to allow that to happen? Or why could that be an intelligent yeah. response from the body? Yeah, the why and is always we, the, and, and the source part of things is, is where we tend to not really get to, you know, often enough in that kind of care. 
And what can we learn about And what can we use that to say, this is like the indicator light on the car. What can we learn about the body given X and Y going on? Yeah. And what can we, yeah, what can we use to basically create a healthier whole? And if we don't understand the destination of where we're going, it's hard to get there. Yeah. And if you don't understand what health is like and a simple, a simple analogy might be, you know, disease is like darkness. So we can spend all of our time trying to get rid of darkness, trying to fight the darkness, trying to hide the darkness, trying to throw it in a corner, trying to get rid of it. Right. Or we could turn on a light. Right. right. And I think that's, that's, that's what a good health way to think is. about it. Yeah. Can't, how can we turn on the light of health? And that way we're less susceptible to the, the dangers of darkness. Yeah. So, so speaking of darkness, I I'm guessing your, your last three years <laughs> of practicing, there's been a lot of challenge. Uh, you know, I think most of us, it, we, we've, we don't have the same kinds of challenges that, that the, the big healthcare system saw probably in some ways, but coming out of it for a lot of people, we're, we're a lot of times, you know, if not, uh, you know, on the front lines, we've, we're the next in line for these symptoms are, are just not resolving. I've had brain fog for, you know, uh, six months or I've, you know, I'm having all, all sorts of these irritable symptoms. So, so what, what kinds of things are you seeing? I'm just curious, you know, we, we talk, we've talked a little bit about things that we've seen and things that we've treated and, and different kinds of co-infections and things that we think might be part of, you know, what we are calling long, you know, long haul COVID symptoms. But I'm curious to see like some of the, you know, base, basic things that you're seeing and treating. Yeah. So, um, I think that's a great question and probably super relevant because, up to 30% or more patients can experience these symptoms of long COVID, which is basically like, I haven't felt right since. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the beginning of that was, you know, the COVID infection, testing positive, fever, chills, head cold, and whatever other symptoms went along with them with that. So um, what I've seen through that, my experience with patients with long COVID is, um, they they haven't fully fought off the infection. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they they had COVID. They feel twenty percent better. They feel eighty percent better. They feel something in between. But when I've worked with those patients, when I've had the chance to do an evaluation of them, and when I've had a chance to work with them, um, it's been sequentially upregulating the immune system and finding out what part of the immune system wasn't able to give the the knockout blow to COVID. Uh, yeah. And through doing that, we've been able to get dramatic improvement in, in a couple of weeks to the point they're back to feeling 100% within a week to a month, depending on what's going on. So I feel good about that. And most of those patients, I, I don't think I've seen any long COVID in patients that I worked with through the illness. These are mostly long COVID patients who weren't patients before, but came to me gotcha. because they have long COVID. Okay. And the ones I've worked through through it, what I found is as we were able to to get the body sequentially upregulate that immune system, we were able to to kind of avoid the need for that. So for any patients out there with long long COVID, my experience has been there's part of that that your body hasn't been able to give the full knockout blow to, and you're kind of feeling that. And often it's like you said, brain fog, it's yeah. fatigue. It's lethargic. Maybe that sense of taste and smell hasn't fully come back. Maybe there's some lingering congestion. It's kind of like you have a fever or you have a flu, but like 20% or 80% of it, and you don't quite yeah. feel right since then. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where I start. And then the trick is to figure out 
what specific part they haven't fought off and what you need to help sequentially upregulate. But that's what I found um, very successful with some patients. And, and I assume that on some level, I mean, this is the way I'm always thinking about these things is on some level, the energetics of of the healing process, right? Those, those energy systems that, that we need, they're, they're either being overwhelmed and, you know, overused, you know, so they're, they're depleted in some ways, or they may have been, you know, this is the other part of it, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier is they, they, they may have been depleted in some ways leading, leading, you know, up to that point too. And, and there's a lot of different factors for, for that, whether they were immune compromised before, whether they had some, some chronic illness, whether they were, you know, running really high, you know, with stress hormones, which we know yeah. also, you know, are hard on the immune function. And, and they're, they're, I've just, I've, you know, from my experience, I've seen a lot of, a lot of things like, you know, people who tended to have allergies, people who, who tended to, uh, who had uh, autoimmune compromises like Lyme disease. Th those are the people that I see having the hardest time because their body is yeah. really already fighting other kinds of in, in, yeah. In, infections. Yeah. And possibly connected to that as a compromised immune system right. going in or not fully optimized immune system going yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. I think that's absolutely true. One thing, um, there was a gentleman named Roger Williams. He wrote a book called uh, Biochemical Individuality. Um, and he was a PhD researcher at Texas. He discovered two different B vitamins and his brother discovered a third. <laughs> so these guys kind of like, they yeah. knew what they were doing, yeah. right? And the whole thrust of this book, and he considered this the most important idea he found in his years of researching, which was this idea of biochemical individuality. And what does it mean? Well, basically, you and I are different biochemically. Right. Okay, well, yeah. that, that makes sense. And I think most people would say, okay, yeah, sure. But I think to really understand the scale and scope that happens in the body is incredible. Like just in the first two inches of the heart, the, the, sorry, just in the first two inches of artery after leaving the heart, there's like 13 different configurations the blood vessels can mm -hmm. be in. The sciatic nerve, as it goes through the glute, can go in like a dozen to a dozen different configurations. Nutrient requirements can vary up to a hundred times person to person. Yeah. That means the amount of B vitamins you need versus your patient versus mother versus uh, a nursing mother or pregnant can vary up to a hundred times. So how in the world, you know, can we have a one size fits all nutritional label that right. says this is a 2000 calorie diet and you need X milligrams of, of this vitamin. Right. Because it's just totally not borne out in practice. And we kind of know this, like weightlifters need more protein. You know, women need more iron yeah, because they, yeah. you know, they lose blood. And, you know, mothers are pregnant, pregnant mothers or nursing mothers need more of everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So we kind of know this in general. So let's specifically talk about um Let's specifically talk about immune function. So, yeah, yeah. as so a couple so a couple things with immune that really get burned up happen to be calcium, specifically a form called calcium lactate, which is really important, and that immune function. Vitamin C um, use can go up up to seventy five x or even more with an acute infection, and then zinc, which is one thing we saw a lot with COVID, that loss of taste and smell. Um, that. 95% of the time or more was a zinc deficiency. Okay. So why would the body do that? Well, quite simply, zinc has multiple functions in your body. Actually, over 300 chemical reactions are involved in zinc. But one of the important ones is it inhibits viral replication, which we've probably heard of. It's also important for taste and smell. So 
Um, if your body, with all its wisdom and intelligence, can decide, would I rather smell or would I rather fight off a virus? Mm-hmm. And it will choose, and its wisdom, kind of this is theory called triage theory, which basically says, let's handle the most important things first, the most life-threatening things first. Yeah. It'll do that. And then that zinc deficiency can manifest as loss of taste, loss of smell, and and up to 30% of women hair loss. And so zinc deficiency can also be connected to the hair loss that was seen transiently for two to four to six months post-COVID as well. Mm. It doesn't have to be the only thing that shows up. But those are some examples of how we can look at that, that idea of holism with some of those nutrients. But basically, it's like if you run a car at 60 miles an hour and you drive for two hours, you're going to use up a certain amount of gas and oil. Yeah. Yeah. Drive at 120 miles an hour for a year and a half you're going to burn up a lot more nutrients. Yeah. So on on that, this this is really. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I shared this with you ever, but for some reason, craniosacral therapy seems to be a really effective method for dealing with loss of taste and smell. Interesting. And I didn't put it out there that that you know it was just like I just happened to be seeing people. A lot of times they were yeah. also struggling with anxiety. Sometimes anxiety that was tied to the fact that they thought they were never going to be able to taste or smell things again. Obviously yeah. that's, that's scary, but, but, but the, the interesting thing was, I, I mean, I, I would say it's been 90, 90% effective, which is yeah. an unusual number for any treatment. Right. So, yeah. and, and a lot of times within the, after the one session, they would, you know, I would usually try to have them come in for like four sessions after the, after yeah. the first session, they come back and say, I think I'm 50% better already. <laughs> and and so but but to your point of like you know running the engine a little bit too hard i kind of want i mean i was I, i'm just curious of what your take is on this then like is that is that you know immune function from stress hormones or from you know running the the, the system running down or even covid running down the system plus you know having kids at home during <laughs> homeschooling, yeah. all the things that we had to do right it, is 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 that also probably a, a significant factor if something like craniosacral therapy helps yeah. with with taste and smell yeah so that's fascinating so let's try to think through that and see what see what come up with so craniosacral therapy basically upregulating parasympathetic right, nervous system right. Perhaps balancing Resting, digesting, or downregulated recovery processes. Sorry, yeah, let's yeah. let's define it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Feed and breed, or the digestive system. Yeah, yeah. hormonal system upregulating yeah. that. Calm, relaxation, and we're kind of maybe downregulating, maybe bringing back into balance the sympathetic or stress part of the nervous system. Elevated heart rate, elevated blood pressure. Yeah, stress, sweating. Um, so. It's interesting you say that, and I'll think through a couple ideas, and maybe we can just kind of riff on this and okay, see what we okay. come up with. What I've seen a lot with stress is it it can burn up minerals in the body. So uh, the the stereotypical person is the the one who can't fall asleep at night because there's minds running, yeah, yeah, hundred miles an hour, and they're awake for fifteen minutes or an hour or two hours, or they never fully sleep at night. Yeah, I see a lot of a mineral component to that and burning up things that are show up in mineral uh, neurotransmitters in the brain, which are basically minerals that are used to send ner- messages between the nerves in the brain, okay. things like calcium, things like magnesium, things like manganese. And then in terms of the stress side, in terms of adrenals that can show up as B vitamins and whole food vitamin C that kind of get burned up through that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's, so that definitely tells a story. There's a connection to there. When I think of zinc, I think of immune function. I think of um, it's very important for insulin production, one of the key minerals from insulin production. 
very important for prostate function in man and one of the key minerals or probably I'd say the key mineral involved in testosterone production overall. Mm. So as I think through that, I would wonder if maybe by calming down the brain and mind, we're burning up maybe less of the vitamin C, less of the calcium, the immune system is able to get a better burst and or maybe there's a direct mechanism there of somehow that stress system is burning up that zinc as well. Yeah. And you're basically just leaving more of it there well from the immune system. Yeah. So that would be kind of my thoughts on it. Any anything yeah, I mean, you when, want to add to you that? Know, when, when, I first, when I first was getting the results, I thought maybe maybe there's something that's that's a patterned response that's built into this, right? There's, that, that's, okay. that's always a possibility that, you know, the way the nervous system tends to work is that, you know, when when it when something gets locked into a pattern for a long enough period of time, it basically wears a groove neurologically, and that this is its new operating system, right? So, yeah. part of me thought, oh, maybe maybe their operating system just got you know into a new mode, and that's part of it. And maybe that is yeah. maybe that is also another another aspect yeah. of this. But you know, what led it off its path in the first place and, yeah. and allowed for that new groove to happen maybe some of the some of the depletion as well and you know yeah. and also you know putting out a lot of different fires it's going to prioritize and maybe yeah. for the moment smell and taste were just not that not that you know high on the list yeah yeah i think that's that's super interesting and then it makes me think of our previous conversation we talked briefly about uh, claude bernard and louis pasteur <laughs> yeah. basically we talked about terrain theory versus and basically terrain theory it's basically in english what it means is it was a debate between what's more important is it the bug or is it the health of the body that makes it susceptible to the bug so does do viruses make it sick do make us do viruses make us sick right or does our body have to be run down enough to be susceptible to the virus right and i think you know obviously there's been a lot of focus especially over the last you know, three plus years around viruses and their effect on the body. You know, we see this with bacteria, see with other sorts of things. But I just ask your audience, how many of you had the experience of you took care of someone with with COVID and you never got it the whole time? Or you were the sick person and your husband or wife or friend took care of you the whole time and, and never got it, it yeah. right? And they're around you every day <laughs> taking care of it. And then some people, you say hi to once and they get it. So I think intuitively we know that there's some individuality to it. I mean, I have patients that were horribly sick and they had family members take care of them for a week and they're in bed rested, can't do anything. Yeah, Never got it, not even a bit. So going back to your question of what you're observing, you know, if you're through cranial sacral, if we're putting the patient and the client in a more optimal healing state, changing that, that healing energetics as you described it. Yeah, yeah. I think that can have a fantastically powerful effect in, in not treating the zinc deficiency, not treating a weak immune system, but just upregulating the energy and vitality of the whole body, upregulating the strength of the host, and then making it more resistant or resilient to the challenges that come our way. Yeah. And, and going back to the whole um, you know, d debate about the, 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 the body, the, the immune system or the bug, I, I think yeah. it's it's one of those things that I've really been talking a lot with with people about over this last year, especially that, yeah. especially if they've healed, you know. And, and this is one of those yeah. things. Like sometimes when you're when you're in in that state for a long enough period of time, you start to wonder if this is going to be your new normal. And, right. and I I find that 
that that's sometimes hard to kind of switch, you know, gears with with people. So, you know, I instead of instead of getting focused on like what if, you know, this could be, you know, like this forever. I I just I just have people focus on because the, the other thing is when people are recovering, it's never a straight line, right? There's always up and yeah. down days. Yeah. So it's it's sometimes hard to track the trends. And one one of the ways that I, I, I like to throw this out there, maybe maybe you do this too, but I, I like to have people track secondary, uh, what I would call like mm. secondary things, not necessarily yeah. the symptoms, but like the things that you do or don't do because of the symptoms, right? Sure. So, you know, for, for, you know, for some people, it's like an activity they do or don't do, or for some people with like different kinds of like, you know, physical sensitivity, sometimes it's like, they can wear certain clothes and on Sundays and some days they can't wear those clothes or they can't yeah. wear those shoes or whatever. And I, I think those are those are easier ways to track whether or not someone's making progress, especially for someone who's being accountable with them. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I've, I've noticed this, you know, so that we can really see that those that those trends are changing. So that's kind of the psychology part of things that I think needs to be discussed once in a while with people. But getting back to this whole idea of like, you know, Whose responsibility, or, or or where do we focus our 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 reserves, and what is our responsibility in this too? Like our our bodies are going to do what they do, but how can we support what they do? You know, I think I think too many yeah. times we we think about you know the fact that we're sort of being bombarded by all sorts of things, but we have a responsibility in terms of like what we can do to to bolster our own immune function. Yeah, and I think that number, you know, just to, to just kind of quantify that. I think the relative importance to the health of the immune system versus the strength of the bug is 90 to 95% on the healthier we get, the healthier we'll stay. Yeah. And I think maybe maybe 2%, 5%, maybe up to 10%, but somewhere in that range in terms of what the bug tells us. And you know, going back to what we said is, you know, we know the healthiest people going into it we're the healthiest people coming out of any kind of infection. Yeah, you know, particularly, particularly COVID. Um, I was actually, um, I was actually flying. I was on a plane. I was on a plane to South Africa the day Trump shut down the country. So the, the, there was a guy named Rudy Gobert in the NBA. He was the first one to test for COVID. They shut down the game that night. Trump came on, gave a talk. So that was. I think I want to say second week of March, yep. 2020. I was flying to Africa, so when I when I took off, um, there was maybe 20 to 40 cases in all of South Africa. And when I landed, the number had doubled, and three days later, it doubled. And uh, a day and a half later, I bought a one-way ticket home because they were they closed the airport <laughs> yeah. the following day for six months. Yeah. So, but while I was there, he sort of had some interesting conversations about an expectation of this being a potentially catastrophic disease to strike the African continent, yeah. right? With 20 to 30 million people with HIV, uh, you know, a significant number with AIDS, you have an immunocompromised, a large percentage of the population that's immunocompromised. Um, so there was a big concern of like, you know, what's gonna happen here yeah. with this? Now, what we found out is the death rate there was, you know, one one hundredth to one ten thousandth of what we have in the U.S., which, yeah. which opens up a whole another set of questions yes, around it. Sure, um, but it was really interesting to think about it from that standpoint of like what um, what could that mean? Looking at the host, anyway, that that turned out to be come out much better than expected. But what we did see, like you said, is the elevated risk of 
disease hospital visits and ultimately, you know, even death in, in patients who had heart disease, who had cancer, who had diabetes. So I think it does give us a lot of confidence in it's not just a, you know, a theory of, you know, the healthier you get, the more we can take those baby steps or giant steps towards health, the more you're naturally, you know, increasing your resistance to a whole number of things, right? No one eats, you know, no one maybe cuts sugar out of their diet or eats an extra some broccoli specifically yeah. to prevent a pandemic that four years ago probably was unimaginable to most people. It sure was to me. Yeah. Right. But all that work that they were doing, the cranial sacral massage, they're doing the work on the, autonom the autonomic nervous system, yeah. the, the resting yeah. part of the nervous system, the work that was happening for all those years happened just to be a great benefit to them when that, when that moment struck. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I feel like one of the things I'm, 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 I mean, to, to your point of like, we, d we didn't, we didn't really know how, how, how strong uh, an immune system could, could be to fight off these things. Yeah. Just, just generally yeah. how, how, what our immune function would be for, for something like this. And I think we, we too often think, and I, and I, I hear this a lot in my practice when people's bodies are not cooperating as they kind of see it, right. They're having some yeah. pain issues, a lot of inflammation that, they, I, people say stuff like my, my body hates me, you know, things yeah. like that, which, you know, I, I, I always, you know, I, I listen for a while before I, before I sort of try, <laughs> try to teach them a little bit about, you know, what's going on there. But, but what is going on there a lot of times is that either we do have a compromise that we, maybe we don't even know about yet and we need to figure out what that is, or we, we are not taking very good care of ourselves. <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah. that's another part of it. And, and, you know, back to what I, where I started with all, all this, you know, with how I had to start thinking about my own health, what are those things that, that, that we can get organized about and what do we actually know? I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm bringing someone like you into this conversation because I feel like the, this is what you're working on building with people. It's what you had to do for yourself yeah. when you, to get yourself out of chronic headaches. And so let's, let's kind of start with, you know, I, I know you, you've got some different levels of, of the ways in which you kind of think about, you know, if there, if there might be something, you know, that's depleted in the system, getting back to how these, you know, these energy systems and immune function are going to work for us better. Are, are there, what, what are this kind of safe ways in, whether it be practices, supplementation and, and whatnot, where, where do you start with people? Yeah, great, great question. So let's start, um, let's just start kind of big picture with any kind of infection. What I want to do is cut out, um, if someone's not already doing this, I'd like to invite them to cut out some major inflammatory foods or okay. things that are yeah. suppressing the immune system. Yeah. So that's my first invitation slash suggestion to them. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that can do that, but specifically where I start is sugar. Yeah. So I invite them to cut out soda, candy, ice cream, um, sweets, cakes, cookies. Yeah. So pasteurized dairy. Some people, it's all dairy. Some people handle raw dairy well. So what is pasteurized dairy? Well, it's milk, it's cheese, um, yogurt, sour cream. Some people might say yogurt is good. It's got some probiotics in it. It can. It is a naturally fermented foods, but by the time you pasteurize it, um, in general, mu uh, milk is very mucus producing. Um, so that is a common uh, kind of symptom of milk. Um, 
have a dairy allergy. Also, other symptoms of that can be skin issues. So if anyone has skin issues, mm. I'd invite you to get off milk for five days and just see how you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then allergies, asthma, so it can lead to mucus in the chest. So starting with, and then uh, processed grains. So think wheat, um, although... You know, when somebody makes a gluten-free cupcake, that's not always like the healthiest thing either, right? Yeah. There's some there's some issues that are better with that. But so staying off those three things. Now, there's a whole list of you know 15 inflammatory foods that I can go through with someone. Um, we can certainly dive in deeper to that. But I think the three big ones off that list would be processed grains, sugar, and uh, pasteurized dairy would be and and for most people all dairy that would be a really great place to start. I, I, then, I, I imagine, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, please, I, please. I, I imagine sugar and processed grains work on some similar because they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to affect insulin response. And, and what, what, what is it about them that, that taxes the, the systems creates inflammation? Yeah. So that, that will be something that will deplete B vitamins. Okay. Uh, they'll deplete zinc as well, but okay. specifically, um, you know, having a dose of sugar can drop immune function 60 to 80 percent for the next six to eight hours what's what, what's, the, actually, what's the mechanism is it is it that that you know, in terms of the chemical part of this if we can geek out for a second yeah actually that's a fantastic question um i don't know if i have i don't know if i have the exact answer for it in terms of what's happening molecularly yeah what's happening big picture is bugs feed on sugar ah. right so if, if anybody's ever had candida or familiar with a candida diet, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? You're cutting out all sugar. You're yeah. cutting out all refined grains. You're even cutting out fruit, uh, right? You're really cutting it down. So you're getting all the sugar out of your diet. I'll give you one other example for any patients who uh, have cancer or know of cancer. Or they'll have a loved one. There's sometimes a test they'll do called a PET scan, yeah. which basically somebody will drink a solution and then they'll basically look through the body to find out where that solution goes to diagnose cancer or cancer metastasis, mm. which is basically where cancer travels to. It starts in the breast, it ends up in the back. As an example, that would be a metastasis. So, uh, so that solution that they drink is radioactive sugar. Uh -huh. And what they found is it goes quicker to cancer cells than anywhere else. Yeah. So they know yeah. The ones that first uptake it that way. So those would be a couple examples of why I look at on that. I, I, yeah. I, I think there's some receptors on. I think there's some receptors on T cells as well, which are one part of the um, one part of the immune system are what's called killer T cells. I think yeah. there's some receptors on the thy thymus, the gland that sits behind the breastbone that's susceptible to sugar as well. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's, those that's, are some that's things kind I think of what about. I was guessing too. So okay, that's cool. Yeah, okay, so, but it'd be interesting. So, to so, so those three yeah. things. So, so sugar, yep. processed, and and you know, sh sugar is also you know very processed at this point too. Exactly. Um, and and exactly. a lot of the sugar that we're getting is in the form of corn syrup and you know different things. So, if people are wondering what is sugar in there, and you can also just read on the labels what the sugar content is of something, you know, and it's and sometimes too, just knowing that it's it's mostly a processed um, grain means that it's going to turn also immediately into sugar in your body. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Sometimes even faster than actual sugar. Exactly. Depending yeah. on how processed it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of taking those things out, things that could be natural uh, decongestants, um, just from um, just from a, a lifestyle standpoint. Again, sometimes just taking a warm shower, breathing in that steam vaporizer, just to kind of break up the mucus mm -hmm. in the head, break it up in the chest. Kind of some um, aromatherapy as well. 
just to kind of have a natural decongested standpoint. And then we're talking about upregulating the immune system. So how do we do that? Basically nutrient-dense, nutrient-rich foods. Um, a couple important ones um, would be either in supplement form or in food store force, but zinc, and particularly I like protein-bound zinc, um, which is basically a chelated zinc, which is better better digested and better, better utilized. Um, another one could be... Um, um, I use a, use a cod liver oil. It's got a little bit of vitamin A and vitamin D and your omega-3s. So mm, yeah. I'm very clear that a vitamin D level over 50 is drastically uh, preventative of COVID, even, even, even in and of itself. And if you get it, your severity gets much better just by optimizing vitamin D. And you can actually do that just with omega-3 fats. Like somebody's having a bigger, better omega-3 content in their body, omega three are the healthy fats that we find in fish. Yeah. Uh, highest in fish like sardines, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring. Those are some of the highest. Um, but you can just do that. So with the cod liver oil, you get a little bit of both. You get a little bit of vitamin A and a little bit of vitamin D. I would not consider that a therapeutic dose. Okay. But if you're looking for a kind of, a, but you do definitely get a therapeutic dose of the fish oil um, as well. Um, in addition to that, um, then if you kind of want to take another step there. We can add just some vitamin D by itself, and just vitamin D is best utilized. There's certain cofactors that are really good for it, things like vitamin K2, things like magnesium are actually cofactors that help vitamin D work, and vitamin D is not that effective without them. So if you can find a vitamin D that's kind of dosed around that, that is really good. Okay. Um, on uh, on the herbal side, if we add to that, um, the um, so. There was some talk around um, hydrochloroquine that was a, like kind of a, a lot of debate around, is that helpful for COVID? Is that yeah. not helpful for COVID? Yeah. There's a lot of debate about it. What we can learn about that is that was an antiviral. Uh, there was some, uh, sorry, an anti, basically an anti-malarial kind of drug, like an antiparasitic. That's, that's right, yeah. And it was um, it was very effective. So um, and in some studies, although there was a ton of controversy about it at the beginning, I, that's not where I live. That's like a drug perspective. But what right. I would do is what I found is certain herbs that are traditionally used for parasites were very helpful for COVID. And one of those is something called artemisinin annua or sweet wormwood. So there's different forms of artemisinin. Which, which is also an anti-malarial, right? Exactly, which is also an anti-malarial. In fact, some of the malarial drugs were actually developed or synthesized like synthetic extracts of sweet wormwood. Yeah. Um, and actually the first woman, first Chinese woman to ever win a Nobel Prize won it for taking an extract of wormwood and turned it into um, turned it into an anti-malarial drug. So it was a Nobel Prize in medicine was awarded for that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so it's interesting. I mean, I, I, you can't, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I can't prescribe or, or do any sort of herbal yeah. supplementation. So I'm, I'm more of an observer of these things, but I, but, yeah, I, yeah. but when I hear about things and I, I know there was, because I do a lot of work with functional medicine in, in general, I, I, you know, I hear about things like ivermectin and, um, you know, what was the one you just mentioned? Um, Hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. And, you know, the, when it came out of Trump's mouth and, and it comes out of politicians' mouths in general, they should just leave it to the scientists because it sounds, just, yeah. you know, not right anyways. Yeah. But but I think, you know, because it became a politicized thing, we we stopped asking questions. And, and for yeah. me, you know, for my the way my brain works with these things is, 
you know, if 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 I if I look at some you know peer-reviewed articles on this and I and I see, you know, the the results, then I kind of wonder like, what is it? Kind of going back to the way that we were processing like the you know the the taste and smell things going on. What is it about those those medications then that that what what does that what does that tell us about how the body is is dealing with a virus or the impacts of a virus? And what can we learn from that and, and use it in some other ways? Like I don't, I don't, nece- I don't necessarily need to use those things, but I need to understand why th- why we got results with something like that. Yes, I think I think generally we can look. I think that's a really great question. I think if Trump says something right, that's actually true. Fifty percent of the people hate him, and fifty percent <laughs> of them love him immediately. Yeah, right. If he right. says something that's false, the same fifty percent of the people are still going to love him, and the same fifty percent of the people <laughs> exactly. are still going to hate him. Yeah regardless of whether it's true or not. So um, this, one of the, I think one of the difficulties we've had in this country is, is COVID did become a political football that was passed back and forth. And then it created a, certainly a lot of division and divisiveness yeah. around it. So for sure. So um, getting, and going back to, we kind of teased out Africa before, one of the things that um, is very common over the counter in Africa, you can get anti-malarial drugs over the counter. You don't uh, need a prescription. Yeah. And in certain parts of Africa, they'll actually use a wormwood tea. They'll have a tea made out of it, and they'll drink it once a week. And that'll just be kind of a regular thing you do, kind of like you know you might, you know, in the U.S. we might deworm and we might think to deworm an animal or deworm right. our cats. Or, you know, we don't think to deworm ourselves here yeah. because we have this idea but that we don't a, get that's parasites. A, that's a traditional week-to-week practice. Exactly. Which, which is, there's actually, you know, parasites are very common here in the United States. We just don't, we don't recognize them like we do over there. But, but that's part of the reason where you can look at what, one of the differences that I think explain that, although there's, there's a lot more to that as well. But so I think if we look at herbs, I think they're doing one of two things, depending on the herb. If we just like look at big picture, they're either directly killing the bug or they're upregulating our immune system, or probably most likely they're doing some combination of both. So echinacea is something people are probably familiar with. Um, So echinacea by itself has been shown to upregulate the number of what's called killer T cells, but just think your immune system in general by up to 50%. So that can have an an effect of making your immune system more vigilant. Mm -hmm. You have more more guys looking for spies. (laughs) You're increasing the number of the army. (laughs) And then there's something like Garlic, which is a food, also considered an herb as well, which can have a direct, you know, killing effect on things like a virus or bacteria or or fungal issue as well. So um, artemisinin, uh, the way I think of it, is having more of that second effect is just being directly killing kind of the bug. Yeah. Um, but the great thing about plants as you're working on, I often are over overlook or over, working on kind of multiple different levels. So artemisinin ended up being a good one, specifically <clears throat> sweet wormwood. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> so wormwood, there's a couple different types of wormwood, but sweet wormwood or, or artemisinin uh, annua ends up being a really good one. And then black cumin seed forte or nigella sativa. This is the traditional use of this comes from Persia, where it was recommended for everything except for death. That's kind of the traditional use of that herb. Okay. So it has very wide ranging effects. And the uh, the FLCCC recommended that as uh, an ivermectin alternative. Like if you couldn't get that, this is kind of has that sort of effect there. So um, those are a couple things there. Echinacea, and then um, we talked about, and then there's something called andrographis, 
which is another herbal complex, which I think of a little bit more for short-term immune support. Okay. Um, and then and is there's that some after others. That. Is that after you've you know gotten a virus, or is that just something to use just in general? Good. So uh, that's a really good question. So um, the so so let's look at so generally what if somebody said, hey, I'm tra- let's say this is two years ago or today, yeah. I'm traveling out of the country mm. and I want to make sure I'm healthy. Yeah. Right. So what do I do? So probably look at optimizing vitamin D levels. Yeah. Um, I'd probably look at like a great cod liver oil as an example there um, to, to boost the omega-3 status. So we have optimizing that. And then I would do um, often a whole food-based vitamin A, vitamin C, proteins that support the immune system. And then uh, it's like a desiccated th- thymus product. So most mm-hmm. people think of a thyroid which yeah. sits right in the neck, yeah. regulates things like metabolism. And then there's the thymus, which actually sits just behind the breastbone. And the thymus, I like to think, is basic training for the immune system. Yeah. So the immature immune cells go there. They get trained up and they become you know, killer T cells is mm-hmm. what they call them. But basically they go around gavaging, looking for anything that shouldn't be there and getting rid of it. So, And the difference between uh, so that as well as the echinacea um, – the artemisinin and the black cumin you can use preventatively or after you have it. Um, the andrographis, I use a little bit more once somebody has an infection. I don't use that quite as much before. Okay. And basically the difference becomes dosage and strength of what we use. Okay. So are we, and again, going back to this idea that when our body's fighting something off, the amount of nutrients it needs for that fight goes up. Yeah. So I'll put someone on a lower dose of selection of those maybe maybe focus on a couple three to five maybe that they're weak in and that may manifest as in foods or a couple different products okay and i'll put that as a maintenance dose and i'll say hey here's a couple things to take with you and travel with you that may be a little stronger if and when needed okay and and you you gave me a sheet that has a, a lot of the foods on here. I don't want to kind of bore people with like going down lists of foods and trying to remember right now. But is it okay if I share any, yeah. anything that you've prepared like this? Because I think that might be a, a really good one for people just to look at right now and say, you know, these are the foods that have this in this. And we all know, I mean, I've seen dozens of research articles on how depleted we are in vitamin D right now just in yeah. general as, as a culture and that pretty much all the results of, of long COVID came down to vitamin D was like one of the main deficiencies for just about sure. everybody that ran across the board. So I feel like that's such an easy one to just kind of focus on. And and I, I always like to start with food and then supplement, yep. you know, and again, like you're saying, like if I'm going to be traveling, if I'm going to, you know, even I, I even think about things like if I'm going to go to a sporting event, <laughs> If, I'm gonna, yeah. if my immune system is going to get, you know, or a concert, going to get, you know, hit by, by a bunch of stuff. And I think it's on some level, it's important to, you know, to introduce some of these things. I think that is another way of building immune support. But you also don't want to get knocked by, knocked down by it at, and, and you know, go into something like that depleted. So I think that's, that's yeah. another good reminder. And vitamin D, again, something that, you know, healthy sun exposure can cost you approximately zero dollars. <laughs> um, and be incredibly important. And like you said, it's just building up. If you're going to a sport event or a concert, it's like a good, no, there's different numbers to, 
to, to look for. And there's a little bit of bait about what an optimal vitamin D level is. I kind of like 50 to 70. I'm open to the idea. Some people will go up to 80 or up to a hundred. Okay. I'm open to the idea that could be true, but kind of 50 to 70 is a sweet spot. I feel real comfortable with. And, um, and even if you don't need it, you're healthier anyway, mm-hmm. right? You're a healthier person. Your body's going to work better with an optimized level that, that vitamin D as well. And that's, and the best way to test that is a blood test. Um, that's something you can, um, doctor can order. You can, you know, there's different ways to order it online, even yourself for, you know, relatively inexpensively for maybe $20. So, but if we look at vitamin D, so um, maybe we can just look at that. So why are people so deficient in vitamin D? Like it's a widespread deficiency now, right? So um, one is we're inside more, right? Mm-hmm. Most people have inside jobs or spend more time inside. That's yeah. certainly part of it. But if we think of how vitamin D is made, um, basically what happens is UV light comes from the sun and hits our skin. And what happens is once it hits the skin, it um, changes cholesterol. So you need cholesterol on your skin to make vitamin D. Mm. What's one of the most common drugs people are taking right now? Cholesterol-lowering medications, statin right, drugs. Right. So if you don't have cholesterol, you won't, you won't make those vitamin D precursors. And then it's got to go to the liver to undergo a conversion there. Then it's got to go to the kidney to undergo a conversion there. And at the end, you have the fully active form of vitamin D. So, well, if liver's not working well, if kidneys aren't working well, or if we don't have enough cholesterol, we're going to have more trouble making vitamin D. And also some absorption can happen in the gut with healthy kind of good bacteria as well. So we can also kind of think, you know, statin drugs started maybe 25 years ago. They were really kind of rolling out in the late 90s. And then all of a sudden now we're seeing... um, now we're seeing vitamin D, which is like maybe the last 15 years, right? A few years after that. Now what are we also seeing? Well, a lot of hormonal issues, low T for men. Well, guess what? Testosterone is made from cholesterol. Mm. Estrogen is made from cholesterol. Progesterone made from cholesterol. Our stress hormones, including cortisol, made from cholesterol. 25% of all the cholesterol in your body is in the brain. So if we start looking at like the sequela or the sequence of we lowered our cholesterol, now vitamin D issue, now have hormonal issues. Mm-hmm. Now we're not you know, connected to that. We're probably eating less cholesterol-rich foods, which are our good healthy fats, egg yolks, animal products, things like that. So we're getting less of it in the diet. We're getting less of it in the sun. And you can see how some of these kind of endemic um, problems kind of build on themselves and connect. Yeah. And and it's it's interesting. You you make you're making me think a little bit more about another topic that we wanted to kind of get to, which relates to all of this, which is you know the 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 impacts of what went on you know during that you know the isolation period of of COVID for a lot of people, and also just just the sort of general and this I would say this is you know. There, we've seen a huge increase in this since about the year 2000 of anxiety, depression, um, and and also substance abuse and use. You know, so I, I imagine that you know, as as our system becomes more depleted, we probably then turn to, you know, d- drugs or you know some of those things are are replacements for the depletion. Right. So on some level, we're trying to like you know, up, uptick some of those, the, those feel good hormones. And, and then, you know, in, in terms of, in terms of sort of day-to-day management and treatment of, of anxiety and depression, I'm sure there are some things that we can also do to help support our system so that we don't become depleted. Cause I, I think about a lot of, a lot of times, especially depression, but I think even anxiety on some level is basically like an immu- a lowered immune function to some extent. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, so to hit your point, yeah, I mean, it's anxiety, depression went up at least 25%. Drug use and overdose went up at least 30%. I mean, just, so we saw just, these, just during the pandemic. Sorry, just during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah so the specific is um, number of overdose deaths, death, overdose death in the U.S. increased 29.6% in 2020. Um, in, in 2022, the WHO said global, global prevalence, not just U.S., anxiety and depression increased by 25% just in the first year of the global and the, of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, over, the, over the course of the pandemic, many adults reported symptoms consistent with anxiety and depression with approximately four in 10 results reporting these symptoms in early 2021. And uh, now it's down to three in 10 results, three out of 10 adults. So it's declined, you know, by a quarter since then, but still elevated over yeah. what first yeah. started. Um, so we're definitely, you know, and, you know, what we have? Well, one is we had isolation. We had fear. We had a lot of people, you know, some disconnection from friends, from family, even from job, maybe from purpose, from sense of meaning. Now, some people certainly lost their job through that yeah. changes of work. Right. And then, um, and then plus you're talking about an possible assault on the immune system or possible immune challenge people had to deal with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it, was, combine it was definitely something. Yeah, and 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 then access to substances too. I I just saw an article not too long ago about the change in opioid related deaths in in my right. state in Minnesota. They've they've gone up eight times. The the number has has gone up eight times what it was in the year two thousand to, wow. to to today. Which Jeez. which which you know. Part of that is is access to you know the pharma and the and the synthetic stuff. It wasn't that wasn't as much just street heroin, but it yeah. just goes to show like that you know adding that as an option into the into the culture is another one of those pieces. But then what you know what do we do, what do we do to sort of safeguard for some of these things too now? I mean I think I I like I was saying I think this is something that. Sometimes, you know, my kind of treatment, I think, is a good first step, you know, in terms of getting people to a place where they're where they're kind of their their, their nervous system is kind of balanced, allows us to work from a, a, a better operating point of view. You know, I, I still the the sort of standard for people, you know, getting off my table at the end is that they just feel like they're very grounded. They're present yeah. in their body. You know, there and sometimes it feels to to some extent. If you come down from the high, it feels a little off. But you yeah. know, a, a balanced ner nervous system is one where there's energy underneath it, and yeah. there's there's an there's an ease of focus. You know, when when we're when we have a lot of anxiety or when depression is hitting us, it's almost impossible to sort of be in that state. So yeah. so that's that's from from a you know. Uh, sometimes acupuncture can be part of that. There's a million different, you know, body work and manual therapy type options for that. But then what do we, what do we do in terms of like supporting that with, you know, foods or, or, or herbals? Yeah. And I think, I think great question. And I think you're right to focus on balancing the autonomic nervous system and lots of manual therapies can do that. Obviously cranial sacral specifically with its importance on the pair, the parasympathetic or the right. resting yeah. balancing of that nervous system yeah. is especially important and, and worthy to highlight in that situation. So in addition to that, what can we do? Um, that's a great question. So let's connect, let's start with looking at healthy fats first. Mm. So the brain, um, you know, has an incredible amount of fat. And then I think about 25% of all the cholesterol in your body is actually in your brain. Um, so there's actually a common side effect of 
that drugs um, can be uh, memory fog, brain issues, transient uh, uh, memory loss okay. as well. Um, and we say that, one, if you're on those drugs, just be aware of that, or that's a conversation you can have with your doctor. But I say that just to illustrate the importance of healthy fats in the diet. So again, the, the key fat for, um, or the key fat that most people are deficient in for their brain are omega-3 fats. Okay. And again, that's, that's the salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring. There are many, many other types of seafood, a little bit in grass-fed beef, a little bit in pasture-raised eggs. So you can get it in some other places as well. Yeah. And there's a blood test called the omega-3 index. You can do this through your doctor's office. Hmm. Um, if your doctor does it, you can do it through, um, they can order it for you. Um, or you can do it, there's an at-home test um, that you could do through a, a, a company called uh, Omega Quant. Um, they oh, do that's it. right. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, and basically the, your quant of what they'll do is they'll they'll look at your the average red blood cell lives in your body for about three to four months. So what they'll do is they'll take a pick a, a finger prick and they'll take it take some blood and look at the omega three content of the red blood cell. Okay. And so that'll give you an average of your omega-3 content over the last three to four months because that's how long mm. those cells typically live. Okay. And what we want, the average American has a number around four, 4%. What we want is eight. Ah, eight, okay. eight is optimal. Eight to 12 kind of puts you in a range. And what's nice to know is you, you can see populations who don't do any supplementation naturally get to that eight to 12. Like if we look at the Japanese... And or other populations that eat quite a bit of fish, and that's a natural part of the diet. Yeah. It's very easy to see them fall in that eight to twelve range. And what do we know about that? Well, we know just optimizing the omega three index will lower what's called all cause mortality, which is your risk of dying from anything by thirty one percent. So just going from four to eight. So so good. And how do we get there? Typically, the average person is going to need to do fish three to four times a week, especially the ones I mentioned, yeah. and or some supplements. It's very hard to do just supplements alone. It's very possible to do diet-wise, but you're going to have to be you know, on the higher end of that four times a week or maybe even more, yeah. so, or some combination of both. So yeah. that's very important for brain, um, brain health. Um, some B vitamin-rich foods. Now, this does not mean B vitamins from the store because most of those are synthetically made by drug companies in labs, and they're not going to do anything um, potentially super positive by themselves. You need, what you need most often is a whole food matrix behind it. The supplements that are made from foods can be quite effective, but B vitamin-rich foods would include things like sweet potato, beet, nutritional yeast, and liver. Those would be some yeah. phenomenal powerhouse foods, really rich in B vitamins, which are great for brain function. And then... Um, Iodine is very important for the brain. Mm. Um, so again, we can find that at sea, seafood, sea kelp. In fact, the number one um, number one cause globally, I think up to 12 to 15% of like um, mental slowness, like not quite retardation, but like slowing of brain growth and development mm -hmm. is an iodine deficiency, Interesting. You know, which is part of the reason they add iodine to sea salt. Um, it's for, or, sorry, iodine to salt um, is specifically to prevent that. So iodine is very important. So sea kelp could be a great one there. And then your dark green leafy vegetables, manganese, magnesium, are going to be just phenomenally nutrient dense. And most of those, magnesium, manganese, potassium, have calming, yeah. relaxing effects on the brain. 
So things like that, manganese or sorry, magnesium just in of itself, average estimate is at least half the population is deficient in that. I'd say that is, you know, certainly true. And the more stressed out the nervous system is, the more, the more that magnesium is. we're yeah. building up. Yeah. The harder you push down on the accelerator, the more likely it is to have some magnesium. So the great thing is focusing on some dark green leafy vegetables, adding that therapeutically to your diet can have an incredibly balance to that. So you could do that food wise. You can do that through some supplements and then we can, and if something you want to say there, we can talk about a couple of herbs that can support that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. What what else? Do you, I mean, and I know there are some things that we that are getting used a lot more, also that are kind of for that. What I would say, it's almost kind of for the more kind of psychoemotional stuff. Like we 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 know there are different adaptogens that tend to have a, a yeah. you know an effect on those things. So if you have anything else that you recommend, usually. Yeah, so in terms of specifically, let's look at um, anxiety. So typically those anxiety-olytic or basically anxiety-decreasing adaptogens, I think um, one of the first things on that list would be um, would be ashwagandha. Mm -hmm. So ashwagandha is the active, one thing to know about ashwagandha is the active ingredient of it is called withanolides. So ideally, you get an ashwagandha product with a standardized withanolide content, which means you look on the label and they're saying there's this much withanolides in it. And the example is you have an oak tree where I am in Texas. If you have an oak tree up where you are in Minnesota or yeah. one over in Europe, right? they're grown from different soil. It's going to have different nutrients. Gotcha. And are you sure the extract from that is going to be the same? So one way to do it is with a standardized uh, withanolide in it. So that's good. In terms of the calming of the body, there's a couple that can be really effective specifically to calm or slow down or suppress the sympathetic or the stress part of the system. Mm -hmm. And that could be kava. Kava um, is a great herb. It's traditionally used, I think it's in Vanuatu, and the traditional use of it was when two people were having a disagreement before they met with the elders of that's the great. uh of the city, yeah, of the of the, of the of the tribe, they would they would all they would everyone would have to drink a cup of kava, and then you would kind of work out your problems or differences. Yeah. So the best, I kind of like a water soluble extract of kava versus alcohol. There's a little different differences there, but um, you can message me if they have any questions about that. But kava, um, California poppy ends up being a good herb as well um, that can be very calming for the nervous system. Valerian can have a similar sort of effect. Saffron can as well. So a few other things that could be really calming to um, to the to the brain or the nervous system as well. There's there's others, but I think um, and probably the best one for the person would depend on kind of what's going on with them individually. But that's kind of a menu uh, that I would start with there okay. um, around those ideas, do you, do you as work well with, as the mineral calcium. Yeah. Do, do you work with cannabinoids at all? You know what? I don't do much of that in my practice, although I have some patients who work with some other ones and have some, okay. reported some positive effects. Is that something you uh, I mean, work with? I mean, CBD, you know, for sure, for some people, yep. it seems to be like, you know, and it, it yeah. has to be has to be high quality, obviously. And yep. so I, I recommend if someone's, you know, feels like that has had some impact on them in the, in the past, yep. that they should make sure that they're getting a good source. 
Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's something to consider. And even for some people, like as as you were saying, you know, at the beginning, we all have completely different chemical makeups. So yeah. you know, just because it doesn't work for you, doesn't mean you know, you know, stop there. You you may find something else that actually works better. So for some people, some people take CBD and feel nothing. Some people take you know ashwagandha and feel nothing, but they find something along the line. Maybe it's magnesium. I mean, you, you know, it's it's sort of different yeah. for everybody, and it may maybe to some extent due to what their body's more receptive to or what they may be more depleted in and that's and that's kind of what it needs so you know it, and, and figuring out working with somebody like you i just think it's important to find someone that you trust that you know this is not a there's, there's no one size fits all so this yeah. this is really about developing a relationship with somebody where you can openly have a conversation and say you know, I've been taking this for this period of time. It's kind of expensive. I'm not feeling a whole lot. And then maybe, maybe you, you know, it, it, you know, something else that's gone on in their in their past triggers something. You say, let's try this instead. You know, and it's just about kind of working with somebody that way. So I feel like part of this conversation is inter- there. There are some very simple baselines which you know you put on that sheet, which I'll I'll share in the show notes here. But then there are some things where it's it's fine tuning or building a system back from, you know, a sort of a, a tough place where we think it's it's taking forever to heal something where someone like you you know to have that relationship and conversation with and sometimes you know you you do have to try some different people too (laughs) just like you know any any two personalities sort of have to work out in this so just because you go to a practitioner and you're like i didn't you know not now i'm now i'm off naturopathy or functional medicine no that's not the right way to go think about it as like that that just that relationship might not have worked or you know whatever so yeah, you're 100% right there. And I would say, you know, if, if someone who's listened to this and say, oh, I've tried ashwagandha before and it didn't work for me, okay, as an example, yeah. then that could be, that could, that's a great thing to know. And what I would say is when I think through that, the, the question is, was it, were they on a quality supplement? Were they able to digest it? So mm-hmm. was it the good ashwagandha? Did it have the right nutrients? Were they able to digest it and utilize the nutrients, nutrition in it? And three is, did they even need it? Mm. Right. My experience with good quality nutrition, good quality supplement, my expectation is patients feel better within a couple of days. Yeah. Like I bet 80% of the time within a week, they're feeling a positive shift in their body saying, yes, I can feel it. I already feel like I have more energy. I feel like I have more clarity. I feel like I have this and that. So what I'd like to see, because when I have a lot of people that come to me, I've been taking this for years. Was well, it helping? I don't know. I just read it. It was a good idea to take it. Right. And, and, and that's one way to do it. And if you're kind of doing it yourself, um, that can be a good way to do it. But my experience is with good quality supplement, just like with anything, right. You get good quality body work. It's like, you should be able to feel most of the time. Some people are more perceptive. Some people are less perceptive, but things are happening. And as a practitioner, you have confidence in what's going on and what's showing up and can say, Hey, I expect you within two weeks to be sleeping at least 20% better. And then here, and then in two weeks, it's either you're there or you're not. And if you're there, great. We're on the right track. And if you're not say, okay, now we got to kind of debug where that is, but that's just, anyway, I just wanted to add that on there because it can be the quality of the supplement. It can be the digestion or utilization of the supplement, or it can be uh, because if, if someone has, if someone's not digesting well, then basically if you don't fix the digestion, then you're just kind of creating expensive poop. <laughs> kind of like it's exactly kind of like, what it is. My thought on that, or it may not have been the right thing to need. I mean, there's a reason we have a menu, and there might be. You mentioned adaptogens before, and there may be, you know, 
five or six or eight or things for adrenal support. We may think through a whole protocol of things, but most likely the person in front of us is going to need a couple of those, or we'll start with one or two or three of those and kind of see where we go. So that, and that, that feedback mechanism and the ability to differentiate is something that will help you more consistently get something that'll have a positive impact on you even quicker. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just one more thing on that is just having somebody, having someone to, to sort through some of this with you, you know, yeah. I, I remember back in the 90s, people were starting to just like experiment with there were these books on like, you know, supplements that, you know, for yeah, different yeah, diseases, yeah. I forget what it was called, yeah, prescriptions yeah, sure. for nu- nutritional healing. That's what it was yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and cool. everybody was, you know, right. And, and everyone was yeah. just throwing all sorts of stuff in, into their mouth from, you know, and, and, and as you were saying, it would make an expensive poop. They, they, they really weren't getting a, a, a real sense of, of, of results. And then if they, if they did get some sense of result, you know, how much longer do you continue to pump that into the system? And it does, does that create a toxicity at a certain point, you know? So it's, you know, I think going to see somebody like you helps to sort that out, even can save you money in the end, because maybe you don't need five different adaptogens. There's one specific one for, you know, what's going on with you. So anyway, and I, I appreciate going, having someone to just go through all this and I'll, I'll make sure I put links to your book on there too, because I think there's a lot of this stuff that also gets covered in your book. And, and it's, you know, in some ways I felt like what your book did a good job was, was, was kind of as we, as I was sitting, you know, talking about in the beginning, having some sense of like, how do I get organized about this? And where do I feel like I could put more of my time and energy into it? I feel like reading through your book, it's pretty easy to say like, oh yeah, this is actually my weak spot and, and be able to say, oh, these are the, these are the pieces that I'm going to do to kind of start building this back again. So appreciate yeah. that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And, um, I don't even think I told you yet because this came just, um, since I emailed you a few weeks ago and kind of set this up, but, um, I now have, um, let me turn that off, but the, the Spanish version of the book, nice. um, it's just arrived. So to eterna juventud. So if you're listening in English, but you'd rather read in Spanish or you've got a friend or family member that, um, that would work, um, it'll officially launch, um, end of end of october okay cool uh, kind of on and amazon and where bookstores are you can get it pretty much through any bookstore if you have a favorite local bookstore you'd like to produce but anyway it'll be on amazon then but it's basically uh, the spanish translation of the book so anyway super excited i'll, I'll, I'll to throw get a link to that one up there too just just so people okay. remember if they're looking for that too yeah but i was super just kind of a nice surprise when that showed up in my office so anyway so that's there as well so anyway but it was great to uh um yeah super great to connect and enjoy um enjoy bouncing some ideas off you. Yeah, likewise. And, and I hope, I hope for everybody listening that there was some, you know, something in here that you were able to grab. Sometimes going back through some of this stuff, it feels, it feels a little bit dense to, to listen to the first time, yeah. but if there was something in there that you feel like, I kind of want to, you know, work on this thing, kind of sometimes just going back through this as a listen is, is helpful. And, um, the, as, as we were saying, the, the, the book's got some of it organized as well. So we'll make sure that those, those are up. And I, as always, I, I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate your time. And, uh, this was super fun to do again. Awesome. Yeah. I really I always enjoy connecting to you and the conversation that comes out. And I know sometimes I can jump into analogies and other times I can jump into a little more technical <laughs> stuff, but what I'll say to any of the listeners out there, if, if once you listen to it and re-listen to it, if there's a question that comes up or something that wasn't quite clear, you can feel free to message me on Instagram and you can throw that link down there and I'd be okay. happy to respond to any specific questions or kind of clarify something that you'd like or dive a little deeper into a topic. So I'll, I'll leave that out there for the listeners if that's something that's helpful for them. All right. Sounds good, Jeff. I appreciate it. Awesome.
Thanks, Jeremy. Dr. Jeff Crippen, folks. Hope this helps you feel empowered to take charge of practices that will improve not just your immune function, but also overall health, and maybe even get to the source of what may be causing certain symptoms to flare up. And as we discussed, this is about creating a base, building blocks, if you will, that prevent system depletion and support your physical and mental health. While pharmaceutical intervention may be necessary as a first option in extreme cases, it's important to consider their long-term effects and also to develop a strategy, as we discussed today, to build foundation of health and possibly the use of supplements and herbal medicine as a long-term strategy so that you don't continue the depletion cycle that can come with ongoing use of drugs that often take their toll on any number of your body's systems. As Jeff mentioned, please feel free to contact him if you have any questions. And you can reach out to me anytime directly at jeremy at highway2.health. Also, if you have a loved one who has a health compromise or you think could benefit from this information, sharing this episode takes almost no time and is absolutely free. This is my whole reason for doing this podcast, so please, by all means, share freely. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends.